Safety Drone Podcast. Now, here's the show. Welcome back to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Uh, this is episode number eight. We're here at uh, the Public Safety uh, Drone Podcast here, uh, and it's been a while. I apologize for the uh, kind of delay in, in releasing some of our uh, episodes here, but uh, Christmas time, the beginning of the new year, and all kinds of fun stuff, and um, we're, uh, we took a little break, but we're back, and uh, we'll try to be releasing these uh, on every Thursday here as we uh, go forward here. So, But I'm with my co-host here, Chief Amos Johnson of the Woodlawn Fire Department. Oh, let me turn up your microphone. We it's, you know, Rusty, I don't better. remember what buttons to push. Steve had to tell me which button I pushed at the beginning of the show right before we started. Because <laughs> I'm a little rusty here. Then um, Lieutenant Steve Schuler of the Blue Ash Police Department. David Glenn, who is Kluge on YouTube. And um, today's show is sponsored by Mobilecom. Visit mobilecom.com slash UAS or call 877-447-8433 for all your drone needs. Got that out of the way here. And um, first thing under other business... Um, I know David always gets bashful when he's the most bashful person on YouTube, but I, I need to, I put this on here. I think it's a pretty, I don't neat know about that. Yeah, it's a pretty neat achievement though. Uh, congratulations to you. 10,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. That's pretty good. Thanks. I'm pretty excited about it. I'd never thought more than my mom would ever watch me. So, you know, 10,000 yeah. more people or 9,999 more is pretty awesome. <laughs> does so your mom watch your drum camp channel? Uh, actually she does. <laughs> That's great. I, she, I don't think 900... she has a clue. About anything I'm talking about, but uh, you know, it's her, but you're it's her baby, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Love you, mom. Yeah, well, there you go. Say hi. <laughs> she and a few of her closest friends, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Only about 9,000 of them. But. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So the sad news is in the time that we, since we've uh, last recorded a podcast, nothing in the drone world has happened. So we we're just going to probably talk about the weather today, I guess, right? Yeah, probably so. There, yeah, there's nothing going on. <laughs> nothing going on. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something remote ID? I don't know. Did, I feel I heard something about remote ID. Yeah. Uh, FAA, Big Brother, they want to broadcast everything and track everybody's movement, and 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 everybody's cool with that, right, David? Is that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I've uh, I've got a lot of thoughts about it, but uh, yeah. I, I honestly would love to hear uh, Lieutenant Schuler and uh, Chief Johnson's perspective before I start with uh, my civilians' perspective. Okay, yeah, that's good. Who who wants to take that first? Then well, I'll speak up first. I think okay. um, you know, in order to accommodate. All drones into the uh, traffic management system for the FAA, you know, the uh, manned and unmanned aircraft. Mm-hmm. That something has to happen, obviously. Right. You can identify the drones, their locations, and things like that. We know the ADSB system will be overloaded if drones were broadcasting uh, all ADSB information, if they could even get to an ADSB receiver and, uh, and be fed into the air traffic control system. So something's got to happen. Uh, obviously, with law enforcement, one of our concerns is if you can, if we can now see planes through. FlightAware or something like that, if we can see drones on there, if you've got some kind of confidential undercover operation going on, do we really want to see there's a police department drone flying in this area? Uh, that could present a problem, obviously. So maybe some All way right. to anonymize that. Uh, that's the right way to anonymize. say it. Yeah. Anonymize. Yeah, I think that's yeah, right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Somebody will let us know. We have fans now, by the way. I should say thanks for listening, folks. We've, had, we've got contact from a few folks that have told us they like our podcast. Oh, wow. Awesome. Oh, yeah, we hear that. that. You, you, got on your, you saw it on your like, Don't act surprised. You saw them on Twitter. T- you heard. That's good, right? Yeah, we've had a few people reach out yeah. on Twitter, so that's yeah. awesome. So that's cool. So, um, so it's worth mentioning. That. I'm sorry. I kind of jumped in. But that's so at first blush, that's, uh, you know, I, I think it needs to happen, but that's one of my concerns with it. Okay. I'm going to step over and take my riddle in real quick. So <laughs> just, just chew it up. Just chew it up. <laughs> just, just, just chew it. Uh, mercy. So, uh, so yeah, what do you think in the fire service? Then, I mean, on the fire side with the remote ID, I think it would be a 
good thing. Okay. Totally get it from coming from the police side of things of if you see a police drone sitting there, Mm -hmm. you want to know what's going on. But on our end, every time there's some type of incident that happens, there's drones everywhere now. Uh That's, that's probably one of the biggest pieces now. So even if you're just, we'll just go with a structure fire of what Uh we see a lot of normal people. So you got 10 drones in the air now and you're trying to figure out what footage are they getting? um, Mm -hmm. If it's a unsafe act or if it's, a part of the investigation because again a lot of times where you do the arsons usually that arsonist is sitting there on the scene right we had a couple won't say the community's name we had a couple arsonists running around this past year uh-huh. so if you got 10 drones up and they're catching this arsonist mm-hmm. on video again we need to have that information so so it can it can go back and forth and this is another question too i'm not completely sure you guys might be able to answer this so with the remote id mm-hmm. will they be able to geofence them out of a certain particular area. Oh, you mean like like a green light or white list? Right. Certain uh, drone ID, remote IDs, and then blacklist others. Is yes. that what you're saying? I would say that's a, certainly a technical possibility. Yeah, uh, that's definitely. a policy decision, but a technical possibility because without remote ID, your drone's not going to be able to take off in the proposal, right? Mm-hmm. So you yes. have to be identifying yourself or your drone before it'll launch. So I would imagine there's a, a way to technically you know, fence off a certain area. So would that be the DJ, DJI piece of it where they will stop your drone versus the parrots where they don't have any real? So in, in the remote ID proposal, there's nothing nothing that talks about that, right? So I think that that is, is probably uh, people some people's concerns, right, is, okay, well, now you have to broadcast this data, right, that says where your drone is, how high it's flying, and where the operator is. Uh, what their geolocation is as well. So it has to give those two pieces of data. And depending, there's like three different levels of remote ID um, that they talk about. One is uh, standard, one is limited, and then I forget the third one, which is basically um, you can fly at an FAA field and you can only fly 400 feet away. Um, okay. Which means I like think- Like a hobbyist you, level? Or? Yeah, it's like a hobbyist level. Uh, I forget I forget what that one's called. I apologize about I'm that. I'm looking it up here. Maybe I'll- um, but with the standard ID, uh, which is which is what they expect to, I think, be the most, is that um, you you have to broadcast your location via the internet as well as via like a radio signal oh, in your local area. FAA recognized identification area. Yeah, is that the other? Yeah, network? which is basically right now would be FAA sites or yeah. sorry, not FAA, AMA, American AMA. Model Aircraft Association. Association. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's the expectation anyways. It's mm-hmm. community-based organizations that have gone through an approval process. And that's actually one of my concerns as well because they only give a 12-month period, non-extended period, uh, where you can apply to be one of those FAA-certified flying locations. Okay. Yes. Uh, and so you know, that's, that's certainly a concern because if they only give you a 12-month period, well, over time, you know, some of those are going to go away because, you know, it's just, you know, some are going to close over time, over, over years, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and if you only can apply to be one in a 12-month period, well, how do you get those in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's certainly uh, a concern. Okay. So, um, okay, so, so that's, the, that's the, like, lowest level one, and you can only fly 400 feet away in any direction, whether it's straight up or straight away from you. It's 400 it says here feet only, away. Uh, only community-based safety organizations can apply to establish an FRIA. Yeah, FRIA, yep. 
Yeah, for you. And, and so, so that's that's like the lowest level one. If you don't, if you're not able to broadcast at all, uh, then you you can fly at a community based organization only 400 feet away. The step up above from that is you you can fly in other locations. I think limited can, remote identification drone. That's, that's right, but you can only fly still. I think 400 feet away. Yep. But uh, you have to broadcast your location via the internet. Correct. Uh, back uh-huh. to a service provider. Now those service providers are. You know, a lot of people have concerns about those, right? Right now, everybody's kind of assuming that they would be similar to the service providers for lands, right? Okay. Which is uh, Kitty, like Hawk Kitty Hawk, Air Map. Air, yeah. There's a whole list of them, right? Correct. Right. Uh, those are the two that, at least from a, a civilian perspective, that that most people kind of identify their names, uh, most popular ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to go through there. You have to broadcast through there, and then they'll feed that data back to the FAA in some manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the highest level one is the standard, which you have to do both the internet broadcast as well as the um, local radio broadcast, uh, which that technology is, is they don't define that broadcast technology, what that has to be. But a lot of people look at what DJI is doing with their products and they have aeroscope um, and they're already broadcasting that, that data that can be picked up uh-huh. with DJI's aeroscope. Uh-huh. And so um, a lot of people look at, at that mm-hmm. as you know a possible solution to the broadcast piece of it but um you still have to do this internet broadcast if an inter- internet connection is available and this is the part where i think is not super well defined because they they talk about the fact that um if an internet connection is available it has to be used well what does available actually mean right so right. if i'm in you know if i'm in the middle of idaho where i grew up in the mountains I mean, there's literally no internet connection there, right? So, can I can I take off at that point? Uh, I think so, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But you have to still be broadcasting with the the radio based broadcast, local broadcast. In my reading of the uh, one of the interpretations of the proposed rule is that without limit or without internet or with limited internet connectivity, you may be limited to the 400 feet range. That's right. So, yeah, right? that's 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 I think a lot of people's perspectives. Um, I think if you talk to the those service providers, the, the Kitty Hawks and the Air Maps and those type of guys, they're really trying to downplay that and say, no, no, you don't have to have an internet connection um, to to be able to fly. And I'm not so sure. I I'm still trying to work my my way through all of, all of this. I mean, it's 319 pages or something like that. There's a lot of details. Um, you know, I got a lot going on, so I haven't I haven't made my way through all of it to get all the, you know read every fine detail. Um, but that's my understanding is that that there's there's still some some broad language there around that, and so um, and so I think there's there's a lot of different concerns, at least from my perspective. So first off, there's privacy, right? So uh, if I have to, you know, broadcast over the internet to some third party service provider, who's then going to send that also to the FAA? There's two places that have my data of basically every flight I ever take, you know, so that's going to tell something about me, right? And so what's going to be done with that data? How is it going to be used? Um, in terms of privacy, you know, it, can that third-party company uh, sell my data to somebody, right? I mean, if you're using Facebook, Facebook's collecting all kinds of data, and they're making billions of dollars off of that data, off of your location base and, wh- and what you're doing and who you're interacting with and brands you like and all that kind of stuff. So data is big, big money, right? So, so from a privacy perspective, that's, that's certainly an issue. From a legal standpoint, um, you know, I've got concerns about it as well is, okay, so I've, so now all of my data for all my flights for the last year have been, uh, 
collected and transmitted to both the third-party service provider as well as the FAA. Okay, well, who can access that data in terms of from a legal perspective, right? So the government, I've, I've willingly, willingly with my air quotes, given that data to the government now. So can Lieutenant Schuler, you know, can he now, does he have to have a warrant to be able to access that data? Does he not have to have a warrant? You know, what are, what are the legal ramifications around? I mean, the government already has that data, right? It's not, it's not like Facebook, you would have, if, if you wanted to, if you were trying to follow up, you know, a, a suspect and get some data, you would have to, uh, you know, do some sort of a, uh, you know, go through some legal process to be able right. to access, you know, get c- convince Facebook to be able to provide that data to you. Well, the FAA already has that data. So do, what is the, the, you know, how can it be accessed? I think I can sort of answer that with an, another hypothetical. <laughs> so, uh, so one way that, you know, I look at this kind of as analogous to FlightAware. So FlightAware collects ADSB data. Yep. So does uh, FlightRadar24. Yep. But I'm sure they maintain that on a server as, as a record, right? So if mm-hmm. we were, you know, asking for that information, like the example of Kobe Bryant, his yeah. flight, uh, the flight sure. of the helicopter, you know, it was tracked by was, was tracked by ESB uh-huh. and was available. Absolutely, people had it the second they heard there was a helicopter. So crash. if I wanted historical information from FlightAware that it wasn't available through the app or the website. I would have to subpoena that, either subpoena or get a search warrant to get that from FlightAware. So maybe not necessarily from the FAA, but from a third-party right. service provider like like FlightAware or Kitty Hawk or one of those. Yeah, I, I think I would have to get a warrant to get that. I think what we'll see if this rule goes through as as it's written here, um, we, we see now with the uh, the manned aircraft, you see registration masking. I'll call it for lack of a better term. Where you know, say I own an aircraft and I'll use our N number for one of our drones at the PD, but I own N600PD, you know, and I've got that registered now. Instead of, say, I'm a company, instead of the company of Blue Ash, it's registered as N600PD LLC. So I formed an LLC that really gives me a little more uh, distance from that. So as a private individual or a private company, you don't want, say, a competitor tracking all your information and things. You can register that as something obscure like that potentially so yeah and that, that goes back to the privacy as well is um okay so so who does have access to that data because the 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 nprm the proposal doesn't define who has access to that data right, right? Hmm. and and so that that's a big concern from from my perspective and i think a lot of people's perspectives and and, and how is it different though from like license plates because license plates i mean i know this from my media background is that i can't get I can't say, you know, give me state of Ohio, give me the license plate number for, or I found this license plate number, who does it belong to? Or yeah. I can't say I want Amos's license yeah. plate number. They, yeah. That's not public record information. So, but you need to do that in order to drive on the roads. So currently right. with aircraft or manned aircraft if it has, or drones that have an N number, right. that information is publicly available on the FAA's website. That's uh-huh. public, public record. It's accessible to anyone. If you have an FA3 number uh, for you know the, the alternative registration or the main re- way to register a drone, that's yeah. to my knowledge is not publicly so. available yeah, anywhere. No you can't no. look that up. So yeah, and I think I think that there is a uh, in in this NPRM there is some talk about uh, them obscuring. So it's not going to you know you're not going to be able to see that that's uh, David uh, and he lives at so and so you know such yeah. and such address. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a really cool drone, and I want to come steal it when yeah, he goes to the grocery store. That's right, but. Um, but that you know, if 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 that data is available publicly in some fashion, which I'm not saying it is, it, it doesn't define what the access is. But if that data is available in some fashion, okay, well, if you, you can see that there's a drone flying from you know one two three Main Street, you know every couple of days, well, 
obviously there's a drone that's there, right? Or there's, uh, or, you know, there's this factory over here and there's, you know, you see some drone flights around this factory there. Well, okay. I know that somebody is, is flying a drone there, right? So maybe as a, as a competitor, maybe I want to go and try and figure out how I can get in on that business, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, there, so there's a lot of different perspectives from, from that data, right? That data exists now. Who can access it? How, you know, and from a criminal perspective, from a privacy perspective, from a competitive perspective, there's a lot of different angles to look at it. Right? So, and it's interesting because you come from that background. I don't know how clear we, I think we've, maybe mentioned on the podcast in the past is that you you are in a in a technical fair. Are you might comfortable saying that or yeah, I'm an IT kit, IT type guy. So yep. you know what can happen when this stuff goes That's right. Yeah. Gets in with the wrong people. Yeah. And you're really it sounds like what you're saying, if I can say that, is that you're mostly concerned just about the data. You're not really think it's wrong that they need to track these folks. It's just the data is Right. Yeah. So so I I, I completely understand the need for remote identif- identification for many different reasons. Um but I don't think I think that the way that this proposal is is put in place is it oversteps bounds on on several fronts in terms of privacy and costs are, are two of them in terms of um, so so in the in the proposal they talk about those service providers are likely to charge an average of two dollars and fifty cents a month um, now it doesn't it does say in there also that they don't have to charge that they don't guarantee what the cost will be but in terms of their kind of decision making for putting together the proposal, they're they're assuming it will be somewhere in that range. Now, they do say that different uh, different service providers can choose to go with different business models, right? So, okay, so maybe that business or that service provider decides to sell your data instead of instead of collect two dollars and fifty cents a month from me. They want to sell my data, right? My data is probably worth much more than two dollars and fifty cents a month, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's one one perspective, and that's the concern over. How, how is that data able to be used, right? So that's, that's one thing. Why don't we take a quick break and we can talk about what the FAA has said about that or if they said about that and what the public has said about that when we take a quick break after um, – and there's like a – do you guys hear a weird growling sound? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is it somebody not had lunch or something? I don't know what's going on. I, hopefully yeah. that's not on the recording. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that's weird. I don't know what that is. But we'll be uh, – we'll take a look at that and uh, we'll play this ad and we'll be back right after that. Getting hands-on drone training should not be hard. With Mobilecom, it's easy. Partnered with Skyop, a national leader in drone training, Mobilecom offers in-person drone instructor-led classroom instructions at our facility or yours. Courses include hands-on training, so your staff is trained not only in the knowledge behind the drones, but flying one, making your drone program exceptional and, most importantly, safer. Mobilecom chooses Skyop because teaching pilots how to fly safely and following regulations is all they do. Skyop develops top-notch drone training, nothing else. Their curriculum and Mobilecom's Skyop certified instructors give your drone pilots the background knowledge and hands-on training not provided anywhere else by people who only do drone training. Whether you need to pass your Part 107, get recurrent on your existing Part 107, starting a drone program from scratch, or need to know how to utilize drone software like PIX4D, Mobilecom has you covered. For more information, call 877-447-8433 or visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS. Again, Mobilecom, M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com forward slash U-A-S. That's 877-447-8433. Mobilecom, for the best, most comprehensive drone training anywhere. Mobilecom. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, 
please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at mobilecom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. Welcome back to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. I'm Joe Wessels here from Mobilecom and um, the growl is still here. That's weird. I don't know. Uh, That's a new microphone. That is a new uh, microphone. I'm going to like I'm gonna plug stuff. And yeah, is that plugged in? I don't know. I, yeah, hopefully it's there not it coming is. across. If it is, I nah, it's um, still there's like a low rumble of something. And I got even, well, I don't know. Hopefully your folks aren't here. And if you are, I apologize. But um, uh, I'm here with uh, Chief uh, Amos Johnson of the Woodlawn Fire Department, Lieutenant Steve Schuler of the Blue Ash Police Department, David Glenn. Kluge on YouTube. Check out his uh, YouTube channel and be one of the 10,000 people who already say Kluge is my man on YouTube. <laughs> so There's your new slogan right there. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So we were talking about remote ID, and this is, boy, this is a topic, isn't it? I mean, uh, there's a lot to it. There's a yes. lot to it. So you, I was saying a little bit before in the data, uh, they're saying the data, what is, any, what is the FAA saying? Do you see anything about the, what, the, what are they saying that this data is going to go? Or are they not expecting this backlash on that? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I, I think that they're they're basically letting the proposal stand for itself right now, and okay. they're waiting to see what all of the public's compl- comments are uh-huh. about it, and then they'll go through and they'll address those comments. Um, yeah, and see, you know, my and I, I don't know what these people are thinking, but my experience, and I don't know, these guys work in government as well too, is what I always seen from the um, usually on the political side is that what happens is uh, they will maybe um, go start with the most conservative or the strictest with the anticipation that they're going to get somewhere down the line, you know, that's, they might say, we're going to, you know, or, or, the example I always use is like, uh, you know, we don't have any money for swimming pools or rec centers or anything. And then um, they work out the budget. Oh, guess what? We can keep them all open. Everyone's like, Oh, that was so close. You know? So maybe this is a situation where, I mean, is that you've heard of that situation where they kind of like, Oh no, it's dire situation. And maybe they're planning to, they're putting the worst case scenario out and they're planning to pull that back. I'd say it's a starting point. You know, it's. It, I don't know if maybe it's not, maybe not the worst case scenario, but it is a starting point where uh-huh. you put that out there and then you take your comments and see where it leads you. But uh, you know, hope uh, like like David said, hopefully some of these privacy concerns are addressed. Obviously, yeah. And and just to be clear, so so this is not something that's going to go into effect like tomorrow or anything. So we have until March second, twenty twenty, to so just a little over, I think. It's about 27 days from today, right, to, to uh-huh. put our comments. And then they'll go through a period of time where they read through all those comments and evaluate them, and then they come come back with what the final rule will actually be. And I, I don't recall what the timing on that is, but it's probably more like a year or something like that mm-hmm. before they'll actually bring out the, what the final rule is. Yeah. And then after, after they do that, then there will be a period of pr- uh, probably two to three years that it, it will there will be like a roll in right uh-huh. so as with like ADSB uh, there was a period of several years where they slowly rolled in pieces of it over time and and as of this January uh, I think the final piece of that finally went into into effect and since this is the public safety drone podcast we say that probably the public safety aircraft that are flying are going to be eligible for something that's akin to what they call a LAD. Which is the um, like if, uh, if you're you know the best case around here and we're in the Cincinnati area as I've mentioned a couple of times in the past um, we have sheriff helicopters here and they have the lab which is the uh, limiting aircraft data displayed so the FAA gets all the information but that data can't be accessed through flight aware or any other public means as well yeah. too so um, you can't 
to, you know, the, the, the bad guys can't wait for the, you know, oh, the sheriff helicopter's taking off. We better get out of here, you know, kind of thing. They can't really know it's coming. I guess they can hear it unless it has one of the quiet rear rotors on it. Well, I've heard they call that, but, you know, <laughs> where it's kind of easy to sneak up on them a little bit. I think the yeah, sheriff so, here has one sort that of does one. one. What is it called? Some sort of stealth or something like that. Yeah, it has like, well, yeah, it doesn't have a rotor. It uses like suction or something like that. It's a lot quieter than the rotor that makes all that noise you can hear okay. miles away. So yeah. um, so maybe there'll be something I like... I wonder if it's your watch. You think? Probably not. I didn't put... But I can turn it off. I don't know. I know what time it is. <laughs> you can ask me if not. That's off now. So here's a question, yeah. too. Yeah. So, so going yeah. back to the DJI and what you were talking about with the mm-hmm. swimming pools in the city, and then yeah. it all opens up again. So this information, DJI has a lot of it in these other companies. Right. Now, Already. This might be a question for Kluge. I'm not sure. So, <laughs> so they can access this information if they really wanted it. Who's they? The FAA or the government or whatever the case may be, because the information is being – recorded through dji is that correct um not necessarily so officially dji the only data that ever gets sent back to dji as far as they publicly say right is and this is a whole nother topic uh, in terms of the department of interior uh that we'll probably talk about maybe in a future, future yeah episode. i guess so but, yeah uh, we have to do record four today i didn't even <laughs> to leave so we only yeah, two. Yeah, uh <laughs> But but the the data for those flight plans should only be getting recorded on your device, right? Unless you choose to press the cloud button to synchronize your data to the cloud, your flights aren't aren't actually being sent to back to DJI, right? And and like you guys use Parrot, right? Right. So uh, I don't think that that you uh, your data is getting pushed back to to Parrot in in any fashion, unless you choose to to do that. And the same with say Autel or something. And then also think about uh, you know FPV or um, uh, that that don't have any GPS in them you know so this is so that this is another another aspect right is you know we look at this from one perspective in terms of like the normal GPS camera drones right but then there's a whole another you know culture where all this started which was you know FPV drones and uh, uh, RC flyers for mm-hmm. for the AMA things like that none of those have GPS or any any sort of data. Uh, you know, collection devices at all. And so there's a whole, there's a, I mean, there's millions of, of air, you know, remote controlled aircraft out there that have none of this right mm-hmm. now in terms of, you know, most of the drones that we talk about in terms of this podcast and, and uh, the, the, I think the four of us fly, you know, are all GPS based camera drones that have quite a lot of technology in them. And so some of the aspects of this are different maybe for, for those versus some of the other parts of the, the unmanned aircraft, right. um, you know, and so, so there's, again, it's, it, it's very easy for, for me to like focus in on this is, this is my focus, right? This is what I do. This is what's important to me, but it's also important, I think, to take a step back and, and look at everything as a whole, right? right. So why, why is the FA uh, implement, you know, wanting to implement this? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons, right? There's uh, national security for one, right? There's, um, you know, there's local security for another that I think you guys, uh, you know, talk about and, and is important to you guys. Um, but there's also, you know, the like you were talking about earlier, I think uh, traffic management, right? So mm-hmm. the Amazons of the world, the UPSs, the FedExs, the, uh, you know, medical device companies and all, all these places want to start putting a lot of goods and and services uh, right. that, that where drones travel long ways. They travel over people. They travel at night. They travel 
you know, uh, different things. And so that's, that's one of the pushes behind this, right, is to, to be able to enable uh, night operations, to be able to enable flight over people, to enable, you know, a lot of these other more advanced capabilities. Pretty much everybody assumes that you have to have remote ID in some form to be able to, to make that happen, just to be able to manage traffic and to be able to have a secure airspace, right? And so that's why I think most people at least from my perspective, um, say, okay, yes, we probably do need some sort of remote ID system in, in some case, but you know, is this the system that they've proposed? Is this really the right way to go about it? Um, you know, does this solve all the problems? Does it overstep any bounds? And I think that, you know, at least from my perspective, it oversteps several bounds in terms of privacy, money, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. several other things. Yeah, Amos, you want to say? Yeah, and I, and I guess, go ahead, go ahead, LT. The, the FBA's stated goal is to, you know, to integrate uh, drone traffic, UAV traffic, in with manned traffic. So, uh, you know, the first step in that was Part 107, which limited us to 400 feet in most cases, and then manned traffic above that, obviously. I, I find it interesting, and in looking at their graphics, mm-hmm. the, the highest level, the uh, standard remote identification drone, there's really no altitude limitation there that I can see in the graphic. Now, I haven't read through the entire text of the uh, proposed rule yet. However, it, it would appear that they would allow us higher than 400 feet with remote id so there could be some benefit oh, to wow. us there so yeah, uh, yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure if that will be the i'm not sure if the implementation of remote id changes part 107 right so that's the 400 feet is a part 107 rule right. that already exists so i don't know that this changes it it does open up the possibility in the future sure. to be uh, via those other things i was talking about the more advanced capabilities to be able to fly at night fly to, fly for people mm-hmm. Uh, fly beyond visual line of sight and to fly higher than yeah. 400 feet, um, you know, and, that's and not they just have said beside an object, right? The FAA has said that that is their eventual goal is to to be able to uh, integrate completely with the, the air management system of the United States. Yeah, but but my question is, is so, so first off, there's nothing in this proposal that actually does that, right? So there's okay. nothing in here, there's nothing in, in the manned aviation that integrates with this, right, that, that talks about that. If they wanted to do that, they should have done that as part of the ADSB implementation in some way, right? Because that's how pilots, manned pilots, uh, get you know, data in terms of what's, what's around them and so on. So why, why was this not in some way integrated with that? Or why does this not talk about, you know, how that data is going to be integrated with man, manned uh, flight, right? Because if that's one of the stated goals, well, how does this actually help that? How do, how does, a, if I'm flying in an airplane, how do, how do I actually see this data, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing nothing there's nothing in this proposal as far as I'm aware that really talks about how manned aviation how this is going to secure and make safer manned aviation. Maybe I maybe I'm just ignorant to that that piece of it, but I'm not not aware. I, mean, I think it's good to put it that, to bring so, it you know to the forefront and and talk about it because I think that's the only way to make it really fair and equitable for everybody, while the public safety folks can still do their job and you know yeah. Um, do investigations and, and reconnaissance or surveillance or situational awareness with the meantime kind of, you know, that's the constant, that's the battle of this country where it's, it's like, you know, um, you know, you, you, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. As long as the two don't intermingle, then we have to kind of decide where that's in right. that civil area, where do we yeah. kind of figure out what is good and what's not. Right. Yep. So, yeah. And, and, and I guess that's where the, the broadcast ID maybe comes in is because, you know, if, okay, if you're locally broadcasting where you're at, well, 
Um, I think it defines in here what what the specifications of that brought. Like it has to be available within a certain parameter or something like that. I, mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I forget what the actual details are. But uh, in terms of the broadcast ID, remote ID, then you know I guess that's how manned aviation would would be able to interact with it. But there's there's no talk of how manned aviation would be able to receive that data. Um, but maybe that's still to to be defined. Yeah. Because they haven't defined, you know, it hasn't been locked in yet. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's all the time we have for this uh, episode today. This conversation, I feel like we can go on, on and on. We'll take, maybe we'll talk, pick it up on the next episode. Maybe don't. We'll see what's what. And Let me add one thing. Yeah, oh, I'm there. sorry. Go ahead. Is that, uh, yeah. So David touched on this. So this today is February third. The uh, the limit for submitting uh, your comments on this is March second. Is that correct? That's correct. So, yeah, right. March so, 2nd. so it's coming up a little less than a month. FAA to send an email Friday to all Part One Hundred Seven operators to remind yeah, you we're halfway through the comment period. So the folks that are listening, I would say go ahead and submit your comments uh, sooner rather than later if you want your voice to be heard on this. Yeah, so, absolutely. Point. And and don't just copy someone else's template. Right. Use your own words. Uh, tell them why it's important to you, and and don't just like curse them out or call them you know, names right yeah. that, that's not going to get anywhere think, right yeah, right so uh yes use your yeah, words state your state your opinion make it back, back it up with fact just that's like right. your you know sixth grade teacher told you right that's right <laughs> right doesn't have to be if long you need some yeah. help let joe know he's a he's a he's oh, a yeah, writer, writer. wordsmith <laughs> right, yeah. word and we should say you know i guess if you have comments on this and you want to talk about this uh i'm on twitter i'm at uh i'm at by joe wessels on Twitter, you're at Kluge Tech. So Kluge Tech, K L O O G E E Tech. Are you usually the the law enforcement folks? You you <laughs> saying no? <laughs> doesn't do that. I don't do Twitter. <laughs> you don't do Twitter. No. Negative Twitter. Negative on Twitter. Uh, call us. I guess they can call. Leave a voicemail. On my there. I mentioned the number earlier. Call me. Leave me a voicemail. We'll play it. We can play it on the air. We could do yep. that. That would be cool. Actually, we we. I just got a new idea right here on the podcast. You can <laughs> call us at eight seven seven four four seven eight four three three. Ask to talk to the drone guy, and if I don't pick up, we'll put it in my voicemail. We can play your response on the air or whatever it. we Good call idea. this the, the, the thing. So that'd be great, great way to get our uh, audience involved. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. We'll be back next week with another exciting topic and another exciting episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And also, I guess I should say thanks to all the people that are on the show. David uh, Glenn, Kluge on YouTube, 10,000 subscriber guy, <laughs> Chief Amos Johnson from Woodlawn Fire Department, no Lieutenant love. Steve Schuler from the Police, Police Department. I'm Joe Wessels from Mobilecom. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at mobilecom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or feedback using the same methods. Special thanks to our music contributors mentioned during the show. All music used with permission. Please rate us on and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Your rating and reviews do help others find the show. If iTunes isn't your thing, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, a tin can, and a string, just about anywhere else you can or can't find podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Public Safety Drone Podcast, sponsored by Mobilecom. Visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS for more information on drone training happening in your area or for all your drone product needs or call 877-447-8433. Thank you for listening and fly safe.